We'll turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1 verses 10 through 14. How important is hope? Well, the story is told of a submarine that sank many years ago and every possible effort was made to rescue that crew in the submarine as quickly as possible, but ultimately every one of them died. During the rescue attempt, though, a diver was doing all he could to go down and try to figure out a way into the sub when he heard a tapping on the wall of the submarine. He leaned over and listened, on, put his head on the metal of that submarine, the outside of that submarine, and he realized that someone was tapping out a message in Morse code. The message that was being repeated over and over from inside the submarine was, Is there any hope? Over and over again. As a person inside a submarine was fighting with all that he had to survive, the one thing he wanted to know most of all, was there any hope that he could keep as he clung to his life that he would survive? Was there a possibility of a positive ending? Somebody has said this, we can live 40 days without food, 8 days without water, 4 minutes without air, but only a few seconds without hope. As human beings, we need to know, is there anything that I have to look forward to in life? Things might be difficult in my life, but do I see a future? Do I see a better day coming? Well, much of the world around us would tell us, well, no, not really, based on what we've seen. One man said the universe is indifferent. Who created it? Why are we here on this puny mud heap spinning in infinite space? I have not the slightest idea, and I am quite convinced that no one has the least idea. You see, if we turn to science, or we turn to philosophy, or whoever else we want to turn to to say that's humanity's brightest minds, if they were honest, they would tell you, we just don't know what lies ahead for us. At the best, the message we would get from our world would be, maybe things will be good, but we're not sure, we just can't promise you. Well, I'm so glad, aren't you, that God has not left us guessing. His Word promises us in Jeremiah 29, 11 that God has plans for us. He has plans for good things, not for bad things, plans to give us a real and a hopeful future that we can look forward to, and that message is found all throughout the Bible. Well, that's what we want to talk about in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 10 through 14. We're talking about knowing what we have what God has blessed us with, and putting that to use in our lives. We've been talking about the tremendous blessings that God has given to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I say in for a purpose because that's the emphasis that Ephesians uses. The word in Christ, you see it throughout the New Testament. Paul uses that a lot. It is important for us to realize that we receive all the benefit of a relationship with God when we are in Jesus Christ. What I mean by that? When we have accepted Him as our Savior, when we've been covered by His payment for our sins, when His blood washes away our sins, we are surrounded by and immersed in Christ, then all of these blessings that we're talking about are ours completely. We've been talking about past blessings. We've been talking about present blessings. And today we want to talk about future blessings. We want to talk about what we have to look forward to in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 10 through 14. If you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you would say today that I know without a doubt 
that there's come a time in my life when I realize that I need a Savior, when I realize that Christ paid the price for my sins, He came to be that Savior, the only Savior, and I put my faith and my trust completely in Him and in Him alone, then today you can have the blessings that we're going to talk about. If you haven't received Christ as your Savior, but if you will today, you can claim these very same blessings. So let's look first of all, First of all, God promises in these verses that we, ha- <clears throat> that we have a completed future to look forward to in verse 10. A completed future. Now, sometimes it's kind of interesting to watch NOVA or some of those science programs on PBS or one of those stations. It's interesting to hear human beings try our best to figure out where life came from, to try to figure out the meaning of it for us right now, and to try to figure out where it's headed at the end. But as I said, the reality is the best that they or we can do or anybody can do is a guess. Now, maybe we might say they're smart guesses or they're educated guesses, at least from our point of view. I don't think God thinks they're very educated guesses. But from our point of view, we might look back and say, from our observations in science, we've observed some things and we think that maybe we guess that some things may happen. But we don't know, do we? We don't know if this thing called life, if this earth, this planet earth that we're walking on, if this universe that we live in, we, we don't truly know if things are going to end up good or bad, do we? We don't know if they're all going to come together one day or actually, as best we can tell from the observations we make scientifically, it looks like it leans much more towards this universe is doing what? It's falling apart. <laughs> Our life tells us that, and as we observe the heavens, it gives the impression that it's kind of breaking up. So let's start in these verses to see that on the contrary, God is going to finish what He started, and our future can be complete in Him. Now I want to start back. Now remember I told you last time, Paul, from at least verses uh, 3 through 14, starts a run-on sentence. Now, I know, uh, kids, your mom tell you, you know, stop and pause and take a breath in your sentences. Don't just say one sentence at a time. Maybe your English teacher tells you that. But the Apostle Paul just got so excited about what he was sharing about the Lord that he just couldn't stop. And so we have to stop uh, so we can take a break and take a week off and chew on it a little bit and come back the next week. So we had to stop last week at verse 10. But it starts there in the middle of a sentence. So I want to start back. In verse 8, we, we talked about it. It says, In all wisdom and insight, God made known to us the mystery of His will according to His kind intention, which He purposed in Him. And here's where we pick up. With a view... Now listen, when we read this, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, you're going to say, do what? <laughs> this is kind of confusing language, all right? So we're going to go back and break it up a little bit, but just bear with me as we read it. It says which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. Now, in the New American Standard, it puts a period there, and it puts in him of the next sentence, but actually, I believe grammatically, that should say even in him. And we'll come back to that here in just a minute. I believe there's an emphasis there. It's saying, and some of your translations say that, even In Him, in Christ. You see, according to God's Word, as we start there leading in from last week, out of the goodness of God's heart, out of His kind intention of His will, God has shown us some things that we would have never found out completely on our own. 
And what we're going to see this time, starting in verse 10, is that that plan that God has shown to us is a wonderful message of fulfillment and completion. Now, again, it's a little wordy, so let's kind of walk through it a little bit. Let me break down some of the terms here, and then we'll kind of paraphrase it as we finish it up. He says, with a view... Now, he says, uh, God did this. He showed us this, which he purposed in him with a view. Now, that word with a view is a translation of a word that could mean something that's moving towards or pointing towards something else. Then he uses the word administration. Now, that word is is a term that meant a household servant who was in charge of keeping everything in a household in order. And it had the basic idea of a framework or a setup or we might say an organizational structure. Some of your translations translate that dispensation, which we could talk about that a little bit more. We don't have time today, but it's important to know that word. Well, all of that, all that God did was moving towards a structure that fits with the fullness of times. Now, it's hard for me to really give the picture of what that fullness of times means, but it's a word that's packed full of meaning. Fullness, if you can just kind of picture uh, a lady who's nine months. <laughs> she's, she's, she's ready, right? Okay, that's what the word fullness means. I mean, it means full. It means ready. It's a picture of that. And the fullness of times, the word that he uses there. There's two words in Greek for time. One means like chronological counting, and the other means uh, eras of of time or or important pockets of time or epochs of time. And it gives a sense of God has had a plan, and He's got a time frame, a time schedule for that plan, and that's coming to fullness. It's ready to give birth. So that's the idea. What God did in Christ, what He has shown to us, relates to an organized plan that has a structure to it that God is, is, is allowing to unfold in this world and it's just about to pop. That's what He's saying. This is a big deal, isn't it? And it's coming to something. He says it's coming to the summing up of all things, whether it's in heaven, whether it's on the earth, wherever it may be, in Christ. God's great plan, if I could paraphrase, that He has revealed to us in His Word, out of His kindness and His love towards us, points to a working out of that plan that fits the time in history when God plans for everything to come to a head and it's just going to burst forth like a flower coming into full bloom and when it does, it's going to all unfold and point right to who? Jesus Christ. Everything in the universe, every person, every circumstance, everything is going to find the end of its story, the end of its purpose, its place in the part of this puzzle called life Every bit of that is going to be related to Jesus Christ. It's going to be able to be explained by Him. It's going to come under His heading. In other words, if you're writing a book, all the chapters, all the words, and all the sentences of the book of history, which we might call what? His story is contributing to the story of Christ. And ultimately, it all points to Him. And listen, this is important for me and you. Ultimately, it will all make sense in light of Him. Now, that's all a mouthful, isn't it? I mean, Paul, he could talk. (laughs) And he could use some words. But if we could summarize it all, we would call it completion. 
As we look to the future, we have to admit that as human beings on our own, we don't know what things are coming to, but the Bible tells us that God has a plan. Romans 11, verse 36, talks about that plan. It says, For from Him, and through Him, and to Him are all things. Now, that's about as as comprehensive as you can get, right? From Him, they all come out, and through Him, they're all working out, and to Him, they're all headed to Him be the glory of forever. Amen. Romans 11, verse 36. Now, how does that help me? What does that give me to look forward to? Well, you know what today? There might be major parts of your life. It might be things in the past, or it might be for some of us things that are going on right now, or maybe for some of us some things that we anticipate that are coming up in the very near future. Things that do not make sense to us. And that's not always easy to accept, is it? But would you receive the blessing that God wants to give to you today? Would you believe that by faith that everything that happens in this world, everything that's happening in your life, whether it makes sense to you or not, does matter? And it will all make sense one day in light of Christ and what He was up to in this world. Your life, your circumstances are not arbitrary. They are headed towards an end of the story. And if you will put your trust in Jesus Christ, listen, friend, one day that sense of completion, one day that sense of settledness, that sense of, oh, that sense of fulfillment will all come to fruition. It will all make sense and it will all be completed for you one day. Isn't that exciting? Doesn't that give you something to look forward to? You may say today, I've got some things that I sure can't say how I see they have anything to do with anything. I'm thankful that maybe I don't have the answer now, but one day I know out there God is going to show me how it all comes together and wraps up in Him. What do we have to look forward to? We have a completed future, but number two, a compelling future. You know, sometimes it's hard for young people who are in uh, high school or who are in college or preparing for their life. It's hard for, for us as young people. Now, we're not just talking about young people today. We're talking about all of us as we were youngsters. Either we are, weren't, or we used to be. It comes as a danger of youth that we don't always see ahead, do we? We don't always look at the bigger picture. And as a result of that, we're not always willing to put up with things that we don't like right now in spite of the fact that something better is coming later. But I heard a story last week about a young man who was able to do just that, and he did fairly well. You see, he started medical school just a few years ago. And when he started medical schools, when he first started his studies, he was doing work for hospitals, and guess how much they were paying him? Zero. And then after a while, he got a little bit farther along, and, and he went from zero to 35000 Well, Wow, <laughs> that's a big jump. But still, in light of what he thought a doctor would make one day, 35000 was, you know, not a lot to him. But he thought, well, it's a good start in the right direction. Well, he went a few more years, and, and then he bumped up to, oh, 350000 Oh, Oh, and then he, he did a little better in his field, and he started doing some research, and then he went to $750,000 a year. Can you imagine? From zero to 750000 in just a few years. Now, it took him a few years to get there, but because he stayed the course, it finally, at least financially, paid off for him. Well, verses 11 through 12 tell us that if we are in Christ, we have obtained a better future. It's pretty compelling. We have obtained an inheritance. Now, let's read that. It says, also, now actually, it should say there, 
in him also, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Now I want to focus on that. He says, we have obtained an inheritance. Now I need to share with you that that phrase can be translated two ways and it's not 100% clear which way we should take it. The first way which most of our translations convey is what I've just read. We have obtained an inheritance. Now we're talking about blessings here, right? It's a blessing to know that I have an inheritance. If maybe right now I feel like I have zero or maybe I feel like I have 350000 or 35000 if if I know that one day I'm going to be doing a whole lot better, it's a blessing to know that. So the focus in that sense is on what we have received. But the second way, which many Bible commentators point out, is now don't miss the difference. One is what we have received. The other is that we have become an inheritance. In that case, the sense is that God has always had a special portion coming to him. Now, we can translate that word inheritance, but it actually means a part or a portion. God's going to get a part one day. God's going to get a portion. Now, that's an understatement, isn't it? But the emphasis is on this. The emphasis is the specialness of that portion. God has always had a special portion that was eventually going to come to him. That one day he was going to rightfully get his due, which was going to be his very own people, his very own family. In the Old Testament, who was that? That was Israel. In the New Testament, that includes Israel, but it also includes all the rest of us who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now, regardless of how that's translated, the sense of the context is clearly the same. Paul is trying to tell them, look at the blessings that we have to look forward to. In Christ, we have a compelling future. If it's the first idea then the focus is on what we will get, our inheritance. As children of God, we have something coming to us. We are heirs of God. We are heirs of God the Father, and we are joint heirs with His Son, Jesus Christ, as Romans 8, verse 17 tells us. Now, what does that mean? If that's the way it's to be taken, that means there is nothing about God, there is nothing about who He is, there is nothing about what He owns that He is ever going to hold back from me in eternity. He will share all of who He is with us forever and ever. If it's the second idea, the focus is not on what we will receive, but on who we will be. We will be, now listen to this, this is sweet. We will be God's inheritance, or it might be better, God's portion. We're going to be God's part. In eternity, in the future, we, if we are in Christ, will be God's very own people. In fact, the way it's put here, we will be, and guess what? We already are. It is a reality that has started now and will, will continue for all eternity. Starting now and going to forever, listen to this. You will be God's most prized possession. It's kind of like when we're going on a trip and I tell the kids, guys, there's limited amount of space in this van. And even if we add a luggage carrier and even if we, you know, try to mom and dad pack as light as we can, there's only so much that you can take. So I want you to do what? I want you to pick out one or two toys or books or coloring books or whatever you want to pick out. I want you to pick out one or two things that you can take. Now, we know God has not been given an ultimatum on his trip, all right? But if you can just bear with me to think about it that way, 
If God were told you can only take one or two things, He would take you and me. Isn't that awesome? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 tells us the heart of God. It says, but you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Aren't both, don't both of those ideas just compel us to know that one day, maybe I struggle through this life, but to know that all that God is, that all that He's about, that all that He has, that one day I will participate in the kingdom of God. And I already do in some sense, but more and more as I move into eternity, more and more I can experience and be a part of it. And one day in eternity, I will experience all that God is and all that He's about. I am receiving an inheritance. And that changes the way I live, doesn't it? If you knew today that somebody was leaving you a million dollars next year, you might just take a chance and buy that car, wouldn't you? We might not be able to pay for it this year, but we're getting the million next year. You'd live differently, wouldn't you? What a future we have to look forward to. If we are in Christ, we have to look forward to all that we're going to receive from Him. And by the way, if you want to read about heaven, read Revelation chapter 21 and 22. That's one of the things we're going to receive from Him. We're going, to, we're going to receive all that we're going to receive from Him, and we're going to experience all that we mean to Him. Doesn't that help me with the challenges that I face? In fact, 1 Peter again, chapter 3. 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 6 says this, Blessed, it sounds like Ephesians, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain what? An inheritance. What kind of inheritance? Which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved or kept in heaven for you. Isn't it nice to know? Somebody called ahead and made reservations for you in heaven. <laughs> Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now that's the reality of what we have. Now here's what it does to us and for us. In this... In what? In my inheritance. In the promise that I'm going to heaven. That God has set me apart and made reservations for me. In this, you greatly rejoice. Even though... See, I know what y'all been doing. I've been talking about how great things are and you're saying, yeah, but... Yeah, but... I got this situation. That, yeah, but... He says, even though... I know y'all are saying that. In this, you greatly rejoice. Even though now... For a little while, in light of forever, this is going to seem awfully small one day. These two weeks that you've put up with that attitude from your child, those three years that you've been struggling to get a job, not to make light of those things, but one day those are going to seem awfully fleeting in light of the forever that we have in front of us. Even though now, for a little while, if necessary, for some reason, it's necessary for this to happen in and through our lives, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. You see, what this tells me is, I can make it through these hard times when I know that I have hope. Amen? When I know there is something to look forward to. Now, we're looking at the big picture today, but the fact of the matter is, this God who gave me everything and forever is the same God today, isn't He? 
Now, I may not receive all the benefit of my salvation until I get to heaven, which we'll see here in just a little bit. And so I may not see all the, the end result of my trusting in Him. But you know what? More and more as we walk with Christ, more and more as we experience Him in this life, we see taste of that glory to come, don't we? God gives us blessings in this lifetime as well. Knowing what we have ahead compels us. It drives us to keep pressing on. And I believe that's what Paul was trying to tell the Ephesians. You have something, yes, in the past, God had you on His mind for all, for all of history. Before the world began, God was thinking about you. And you know what? Right now, Christ has done what it takes for you to be forgiven and released and for you to have freedom in this life. And as we look ahead, good grief, we got all that behind us, backing us up. We got all that happening right now. And look what's coming ahead. It's good news every way we turn, isn't it? God has given us a completed future and a compelling future, but thank God He's given us a certain future. That's what we want to see in verses 13 through 14. You know, I'm sure that we're all aware today of the debate about Social Security. Many people are wondering, should everybody pay Social Security or should they allow younger workers, the younger generation, to have their own different types of savings plans? Well, our purpose this morning is not to get into that. But I think I may understand... Why it is that people are so passionate about that? It's because we all just want to have an idea of, hey, when I get there, what? Will there be anything for me? Will it still be around when I need it? You know, many people have that same concern spiritually, don't we? Our questions might start with what we've already talked about. In other words, where's all this headed? And, 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 and when I figure out that it's, it's God and His plan... Does He even want me to be a part of this? And so we've talked a little bit about that. But then when those questions are answered, many times we wondered, well, will I do something or will something else happen between now and the end that will keep me from being able to cash in on that? Will there be something that will keep me from being able to experience it, to receive it? Well, God's Word answers that for us. If you are in Christ, you have some great things to look forward to and listen to me, friend, many people have never been told this. Many people who don't go to church and many people who do go to church. And God forbid that you would come away from New Hope and go to some other church or move up to some other community and you would say to another pastor, I've never heard this. I want to tell you today, the Bible says that your future can be certain. It can be secure. There are promises that God wants to make to you that can never be taken away from you. Look at what these verses say. It says, In Him, or in whom, you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed or trusted in it, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. In verse 13, he says, You heard the message about Christ. Somebody, thank God, amen. Thank God somebody told me about Christ. The Ephesians, somebody moseyed on over to their town, told them about Jesus, and they received that message. They believed in Christ. They put their trust in Christ. Yes, God had chosen them. We talked about a few verses ago. But then they had to believe. They had to trust to put their faith and trust in Christ. And now they've been saved. They've been born again. And something else happened when that happened. The Bible here, the way it's worded here, gives the impression that when they received Christ, at the point that they were saved, at that moment, they were sealed. 
they were sealed by what the Bible says is God's Holy Spirit of promise. Now let's talk about what a seal represents. I'm not talking, ooh, ooh, you know, bouncing on a ball on your head. I'm talking about an official seal. All right, a seal. What did that represent in ancient times? Well, a seal represented authority and security. A king's seal could not be broken by anyone else. If someone broke the king's seal, then they would be in danger of losing their life. So anything marked by the king was backed by his authority, and basically, you can't touch this, right? And it was secure by the fear that if I do mess with this, I'll be in trouble with the king. Also, it showed authenticity. A king's seal was distinct for that king. It showed others that what was sealed was for real. This was the king's authentic work. This was his very own message, and he's marking it by his own seal. It showed ownership. The king's seal on something showed that he owned that thing. And then it showed finality. When a king sealed a document, it meant he was through with the rough drafts. A seal meant... I've read this, I've written this, I've authorized this, I'm marking this, I do not expect it to change. Can you see all the applications that that has for our future? The Bible says that the Spirit of God, listen, when we find out that Jesus came to be our Savior, when we find out that He offers to us that our sins can be washed away, and we say, God, I don't want my sins anymore. I want to turn away from my sins and I want to trust in you and your way and I want to invite you to come into my life and to wash my sins away. And we receive His gift of salvation, His free gift. The Bible says the Spirit of God comes to live in my heart and in your heart and anyone else who will receive Him and He seals us. God's Spirit marks us with the authority of God. Wow. God has a lot of authority. He has, Jesus said, all authority. He gives us His security. The Bible says nobody can break that seal. Nobody can crack the code. Nobody can get through what Jesus and His Spirit have sealed. John chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus says, I give eternal life to them. What kinds of give? Eternal. That lasts a little while, doesn't it? It lasts forever. I give life that lasts forever to them, and they will never perish. And that's put in strong negation. It's it's just not possible for them to ever perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me, in verse 29, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. He gives us His authority, His security. He gives us that authenticity. He is saying, this one is mine. This one is marked by God. Aren't you glad that you've got God's seal on you? If you have received Jesus as your Savior, you are recognized as a child of God. And God's Spirit also demonstrates, aren't you glad, even though you may feel like it, you're no rough draft. You're the real deal. Now listen, we know practically speaking, we're still all in process, aren't we? Aren't you glad that even though you're in process, God gives you credit for being a final paper? (laughs) Aren't you glad for that? I don't have to do any more work to be a child of God. Right now, I already am. There's one more thing about God's Spirit that I want to point out, though. He says that God's Spirit is our earnest payment. He's our pledge or our down payment. 
He says that in verse uh, 13, or verse 14. He says, He sealed us with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. In ancient times, a pledge or a down payment or a deposit on a purchase, the first amount that was paid was a promise that the rest was going to be paid. So when God gives us His Spirit, now listen, there's a sense in which our salvation is complete in the sense of it, it, there's, nothing, there's no more work that needs to be done. But let me ask you something. Have you received all the benefit of your salvation yet? No. <laughs> I, I still live in a sinful world. I still live in a sinful body. I still have opportunity to sin. One day, we will be, we will be taken to heaven. Or we will have glorified bodies that will no longer want to sin. We'll no longer be in an environment that presents us with opportunities to sin. There will no longer be an enemy who's enticing us to sin. So there's a sense in which our salvation is finished. But there's a sense in which we haven't received all the benefit of it yet. Okay, so don't miss this picture. The Holy Spirit comes in to say, I'm coming in, and by my presence, it guarantees it has been started. And the Bible says, what God starts, He finishes. So in that sense, it's as good as done. Amen? I mean, you are going somewhere. If you have accepted Christ, you are going somewhere. No one can ever stop that again. You have a certain future ahead of you. Does that not bring joy to your heart? There are people all in this church family. There are people here today who are our guests, who are, who are seeking God's direction for your life. There are people who are part of our church family, members of our church family. You all have come from backgrounds. Many of you that you've been taught, you better be a good little boy or girl. Because if you're not, God might just kick you out of the station wagon. And you can no longer be a part of His family. My friend, there's a whole other message we could talk about. Does that mean that we just live like we want to? Romans 6 says, God forbid. How could a true child of God just live like they want to and not care what God thinks about it? But that does not discount the reality that no matter what, if I have been sealed by the Spirit of God, myself or no one else can ever break that seal. Aren't you glad for that? That word also is used in modern times because of its etymology to refer to an engagement ring. Now, in ancient cultures, what they would do, when you were married or when you were engaged, you were married. Well, they, they meant it. When you were engaged, it wasn't, we'll try it out for a year. It was, no, we're starting something that's going to that's gonna be culminated. It's going to be consummated by our wedding day and our wedding night. Well, that wedding ring is who, who the Holy Spirit is. He comes in our heart, and, and God says, I guarantee you I'm going to marry you. I guarantee you you're heading towards a wedding day with me. You are my bride, and nothing can stop that now. Isn't that good news? When you accept Christ, God puts His seal on your heart. He marks you, and His Spirit becomes the earnest money. His presence in your life proves that God has started something in you, and you are headed towards a certain and secure future. It's clear all throughout God's Word. Let me give you some other verses just to go back and reference. Romans 8, verses 31 through 39. I mentioned John chapter 10, verses 28 through 29. 2 Corinthians 1, 22 and, and chapter 5, verse 5 talk about that sealing of the Holy Spirit and the down payment. And then Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 tells us that God is able to save us forever. God is able to save us forever. As Paul is taught 
is led to teach this to, to them, he couldn't help but worship the Lord. And he encouraged the Ephesians to see it that way too. For the third time in these verses, he did it in verse 6, he did it in verse 12, and then he does it in verse 14. He says, to the praise of his glory. Remember what I just said? Let's just stop and do a jig, right? That's what he's saying. To the praise of his glory. We're just talking about what God's done. Let's just stop and praise his name. That's what Paul's doing. We're getting a glimpse of how majestic God is and how much he's done for us. And Paul says, man, I just got to stop and praise him for it. You see, the word praise is mentioned three times in Ephesians. Those three times in Ephesians are more than any other New Testament book. And all three of those times are in this chapter. What does that chapter tell you? This chapter is pretty important. It's pretty exciting. It's something to praise God about. What we're learning here is pretty cool stuff that could change our whole perspective on life. God wants you to know what He's done for you. And that's what He's teaching us in these verses. So I want to ask you this morning, do you have hope? Do you believe that you really have something to look forward to in life? Is that because you have put your faith and your trust You've put all your life in the hands of Jesus Christ. The Bible says God wants to give you a future that will be complete, that one day will wrap up, that one day will make sense, that one day, aha, God, aha, now we see it. Now we understand. It all, it all pointed to you. It was all about you. God wants to give you a compelling future. God wants to give you something to live for. Amen? Don't, I need something to live for. Man, if I ever just start going through the motions, if I ever just start doing stuff, I get bored. I get frustrated. I don't like it anymore. I don't enjoy it. Because life's too hard just to do it for just to do it. But I have a compelling future. What draws me out? I'm headed towards God wrapping this thing up one day, and He's going to bless me with, with, with something about who He is. Now, he's going to give me a part of His kingdom and I'm going to be participating in His work and in His worship and all that He is in the universe. That draws me. Or, or even if I don't see it that way, that, that I'm going to be His very own. I'm going to be the most special thing to Him and you are for all of eternity. That draws me, being His child. But then the certainty of all that we've talked about today. Can I ask you a question? that I've seen God use to touch many, many people's lives. Do you know for certain that you have eternal life and that you will go to heaven when you die? Do you know that? I mean, no, I don't want to... Let's don't rabbit chase. Yes or no? Do you know for certain that you have eternal life from God and that you will go to heaven when you die? The Bible is telling us today, if you will receive God's gift, His free gift, he will send His Spirit to live in your heart. He'll stamp you as approved and no one can ever break that seal. Do you want that assurance today? People say, that sounds arrogant. That sounds proud. I'm only proud of my God who did it because I know. Y'all know me and I know you. We couldn't have done it, could we? We couldn't have earned our way to heaven. My attitudes, my behaviors, my actions are just too wrong to get to God. But by the grace of God, He brought His gift to me. And He's bringing it to you as well. Are you a Christian here today? And God is reminding you of some things. You've been shaken in your life and, and God's trying to back you up and just give you a glimpse. For some reason, He wanted the Ephesians and for some reason, He wants us to catch a glimpse of the bigger picture. And then in a few chapters, we're going to get to some practical living out of that. 
But is God pulling back the curtain and giving you a glimpse for some reason today? Whatever that is, will you respond to Him? Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank You for the powerful message that You've spoken through Your Word today. Lord, we have so much to be hopeful about. We have so much to look forward to in Christ. And Lord, I pray that there's somebody here who is not in Christ, who's never been covered by Your love and by Your precious blood and been, had their sins washed away, who's never entered into a personal relationship with You, who's never had Your Spirit come to mark their life as being owned by You. Lord, today I pray... God, today I pray that they would receive that gift. And Lord, for us, your people, those today who have received it, Lord, you know we're not living up to the kind of children we ought to be. I thank you that we're not here to earn our way to heaven. That's already been secured. But we sure do want to be your servants. We sure do want to, Lord, bring joy to your heart and and draw others to you. And today, if somebody here today, Lord, there are many Christians who've never learned the things that we've talked about today. If you've spoken to somebody's heart, would they receive that? There may be many here who've heard this before, but you've spoken to them in a fresh way like never before. Would we respond to your message? God, whatever it is, to receive you and your gifts, to make some change or decision by your help in our lives. Father, to move forward spiritually, whether it's to be baptized like those are in just a few moments after the second service, God, or, or maybe it's to become part of this church family and to move forward and walking and serving you, Lord, whatever it is right now, would you speak and would we respond in Jesus' name? Amen.